So settle back and enjoy another afternoon of snooker. What a shot. This is so special. Brilliant. Oh, fantastic. And that'll put a little spring and a step. He's done it. This is Snooker Club. This is Snooker Club, the World Snooker Tour official podcast. Hi, I'm Stephen Hendry and he is Mark Watson. And welcome to episode five of Snooker Club. Today we welcome the queen of snooker broadcasting through the doors of Snooker Club. It's Hazel Irvin. Yes. Well, she's sort of a broadcasting hero to me. Uh, she'll also be tackling the quiz, seeing if she can beat Mike Dean's impressive score last week of 15. Uh, and we'll be looking ahead to the Mr. Q UK Championship, which starts later this month. Also rounding up the latest from the Bays as the tour headed out to Tianjin in China for the final time this calendar year. We'll be taking a look at the messages which caught our eye in our always lively correspondence section. And unfortunately, you've been getting in touch with your top five players of all time. I did warn you not to do this unless Andrew was prominent, <laughs> but still. We'll see whether people have been uh, respectful of that as we welcome you to episode five of Snooker Club. Mark, there's only one place to start. I saw on social media that you've been locked out of your own gig while on tour. It was really weird this year. I was there, um, it was Bristol, my, my home gig, in fact, at the tobacco factory. And I'd already been in to check everything was all right and stuff. And I, I went for some food with my family, showed up and just cut 20 minutes, 15 minutes before the <laughs> show started. The, the crowd were queuing through the lobby, but the doors were locked and I just couldn't, I couldn't get in and I couldn't seem to get anyone to let me in. And um, I just... And they were waiting for basically they were waiting for me. I was waiting for them. Just one of these stupid situations. And uh, I started to think I just got uneasy that the audience were all waiting there. There's about 300 people. So I just in the end started the gig from the lobby, just <laughs> yelling at them, saying, "We're gonna, I'm gonna do it from here until someone lets me." I quite often do just roam around my own theatres, but it's, normally I'm at least able to get through, through the doors. And then, um, but it's a weird one. It, it was. I had I got someone to video it just because there's always there's always people saying oh you should put more stuff yeah. on social media and then it, the video went up and it went absolutely mad on so now I've had TikTok and all this sort of <laughs> stuff and I don't really it's quite fun to get new followers and stuff but you know all the things I've put effort in, in into in my career <laughs> and now you remember actually what things. people want yeah it's going to be remembered for a 60 second video of, so now for the rest of my tour I'm not sure if I'm meant to get locked out of my shows deliberately or or what. <laughs> I, I, I imagine People. it was like it was a, there was an episode of Kirby Enthusiasm where he played yes. the guy that went to the show in New York and he, and he was and he had to walk past the queue and people were saying you can't walk past the queue you're jumping the queue I can imagine you yeah. walk past people saying oi oi get to the back honestly it was like that it's happened to me quite a few times in my career my my, my career is quite a lot like a long episode of Kirby Enthusiasm actually <laughs> Even, like fairly often I show up at the at the gig and the the theatre staff are like sorry you, we, we're not letting people in yet but this is an extreme example it was getting to the stage where you know once you've got 10 minutes to go you do sort of want you want, want be in the room really <laughs> it reminded me of the conversation we had about people being doctor frame for being for yeah. being late actually i started to think i was going to start one nil down um <laughs> steven you've you've had a couple of um you've taken delivery of a couple of new cues how is that and you said that that was going to be the spark to sort of uh get you practicing how's that happened did, or, or have you did, have you did, I, did I use the, the word course? spark <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> no, you you reluctantly admitted that reason, you, you might do some more snooker thing. No, no, yeah, <laughs> I, I got two cues from John Paris, be beautiful um, uh, cues, and I've tried them both 
I think I've favoured one already because I think if you if you if you sort of have in your mind well if one day you're not playing so well I'll just go to the other one and switch keep switching it's, it's right. no good so um they've got so much more power really yeah that, than, than the queue I was using uh, I'm finding that I'm 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 playing shots probably eat like screw shots hitting hitting it easier than I was before with less effort and without boring you with sort of technical stuff but um but yeah no it's good it's good um it's, it's the, the the schedule's quite busy, so I'm not getting as much time to sort of put them to to practice as I, as I would like. Um, but yeah, yeah, they're good. Yeah, is this going to be the difference? Do you think is this going to be the the impetus that gets you back to towards that eighth world title? We all want to know whether it's going to be you or Ronnie that gets to that milestone they're, first. They're, they're nice cues. I didn't say magic cues. <laughs> no, no, you'd need to pay John Paris a bit more for that. Absolutely, absolutely. I did get some new golf clubs recently as well, and they're lovely. Uh oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm going to see what I'm more excited about, but um, but there you no, go. I think we know. We're just all <laughs> waiting for the weather to properly deteriorate so that you physically can't get out on the golf course. If you've got any stories of being locked out of work or locked out of places, or well, yeah, anytime you fail to get into something important, basically get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Snooker Club at wst.tv as usual, and keep downloading. All the episodes are available on Apple, Spotify. Anywhere else you get your podcasts, do also leave us a review. Um, if yeah, if you like us, don't compare us to any other podcast or anything like that, because it'll be the same as when Stephen gets compared to other snooker players. We're very sensitive. <laughs> Hi, I'm Barry Hawkins, and when I'm walking the dogs around Kent, I like to switch off by listening to WST's The Snooker Club. We've just seen the international championship and we're finally mm. talking about judd trump not winning a tournament for what seems like the yeah. first time in a long time i i i enjoy i enjoy dominance in sport i i yeah. i love i love the fact of of of, of judd being back to sort of that that way that he was three or four years ago winning everything um i think when you watch different sports you know i, I was a fan of schumacher um then you get in, t- in tennis obviously the sampras federer or, or you know yeah. Djokovic. i love watching a player dominate a sport but um but, but yeah as I mean, you were doing to, yourself at the time yeah, yeah, it had, to, it had to come to an end at some point for for Judd. Um, you know, you, you, you couldn't keep keep on going, keep on winning, and and in a way, I mean, you, you never want to lose, but in a way, sort of like, okay, I've lost, but I can sort of, you know, the UK's coming up. Um, the, he's got the champion champions this week. I'm in Bolton for that. It's a big one. Yeah, UK Masters. You know, you, you don't want to be sort of, side of, you know, tired for for those huge events. So it might be a blessing in disguise. But he he won't think that. He'd want to win everything. Probably not many people would have predicted the way. Or the the person that would step in to win uh, the mm. tournament, Zhang Ander. Um, what a remarkable rise from basically nowhere. Amazing. I mean, I, I played him in the World Championship a long time ago. I don't know which year in the first round. Beat him ten nine. Um, and he was a you know decent player. And I've always thought since then, decent player. Nothing nothing special. Never going to do anything in the game really. Um, it, 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 out yeah. of an order. And all, all of a sudden, he gets the final against Judd uh, at the English Open. Uh, was seven three up, I think, playing really, and then of, come, turns out and wins this, beats Ronnie in the semi final from six four down five frames in a row, and makes a maximum in the final. Yeah, incredible. I mean, it's just just phenomenal. Um, so yeah, what a turnaround in 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 form for someone. To see a one four seven in the final is not something we have every day no. of the week. To talk about incredible. We've talked about. In fact, it comes up quite a bit. Your dislike of people playing for an unrealistic number of snookers. I don't know if you saw it in the semi, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Ronnie was seventy-eight down and came back to the table with uh, twenty-five points left. I know he, he was, there was a there was a, a time a couple of seasons ago when he was doing that all the time, and he was saying it was he was using it as practice 
Um, yeah. He even wanted to play on once where he was like 60 behind just a black ball. And the referee <laughs> says, you can't do that. You know, it's not in a rule. You just yeah. can't do it. You're not um, going to be able to get so, Unless yeah, you hide the black ball, you're not getting snookers from that. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, some sometimes players will do it for a bit of gamesmanship. If they think they're at the player, the, the opponent's on a roll playing well, you know, right, in, yeah. maybe interrupt his flow a little bit. But I don't think Ronnie does it. For, I think Ronnie just, you know, he, he probably wanted to practice his, practice some sort of shot or whatever. But um, yeah. yeah. So Zhang Ander is the, the um, yeah, the names talk about it. Now, um, obviously it's been, we've seen a lot of Chinese players. Well, we're always seeing Chinese players. Mm. coming through and we've talked about a little bit about how it feels like they're producing more talent than than we are consistently but but Zhang's not a newcomer is he he's, he's, as you said he, you played him years ago the crucible he's, he's yep. sort of come back from nowhere which is more unusual yeah I mean it, it just it just shows you what a bit of belief does that you know he's, he's obviously always always a you know practice hard and he's been there thereabouts I mean that there's a word that nobody likes to be called that like a journeyman um, a journeyman yeah. professional that just <clears throat> sort of consistent turns up at you know these events and and maybe gets to quarter for the odd quarterfinal, but all of a sudden something's clicked. I'd love to know what it is. Um, yeah, and this season he's just he's just like you know gone up so many levels. Um, you know, to, because I mean you have to say that playing being Chinese and playing a huge ranking tournament in China, the expectation, the pressure must be huge. Yeah, um, you've talked before about how much pressure Ding shoulders. As mm. the sort of poster boy for Chinese snooker, and with the with those crowds as enthusiastic as they are and everything, it, mm. yeah, it must be to hold your nerve and win a final like that. Yeah, he's got to have a very particular sort of temperament. Mm. Very, very, yeah. I mean, your temperament—that's the word. Yeah, you know, like tremendous temperament to to be able to sort of blank all that expectation out, keep calm, um, beat the fans' favourite in the semi-final because Ronnie Sullivan is absolutely hugely popular in China, um, yeah. and then and then sort of. Because it would have been easy to beat Ronnie in semi-final and then maybe come down in the final and just think, well, I've yeah. beaten Ronnie. Surely I win, you know. But <clears throat> as I say, produced a one-four-seven and won the final. It's amazing stuff. It, it, it really is. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of back and forth to and from China mm. uh, on the tour, and it, it seems like a lot of players mentioned jet lag this year. Did, mm-hmm. Was it something you d- struggled with, or did you just were you able to just kind of find that mental sharpness, even if you'd had a long journey? Um, I think jet lag is just something you have to accept is going to happen. And and just um, I remember the like when Steve Davis at the end when he when he played in Asia he would he would stay on UK time. Um, yeah. And actually, so you so you'd see him like three in the morning having his having his having his dinner, <laughs> and then <laughs> like middle of the day having his breakfast. Um, there's 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 that, I don't think there's any any system that you can employ that 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 that, that beats it. I mean, you just as I say, you just got to accept it and and try and get the rest um, when when you can. I mean, you you must have had. I mean, you travel to Australia and stuff. You must have suffered for it, surely. Yeah, what I wouldn't do is just like refuse to admit the time had changed and just have my dinner in the middle of the night. But I can imagine Steve, Dave was Steve, doing that really easily. <laughs> Steve, Steve. Um, my thing was usually just, to, uh, still is usually to, as soon as you're on the plane, just switch to the new time zone, try and sleep at the right bits, the flight yes. and all that kind of yeah. thing. But as you say, basically, some people make a massive fuss about it. Sometimes if you go to Australia, you'll be a, a week or 10 days into the festival and there's still people going, oh, I don't feel right. You've sort of, yeah. it is one. I mean, it's a real thing, jet lag, but if you, convince yourself it's going to be a problem then it becomes a yes, problem you, you just you can definitely make it worse through. my son came out this year to, to melbourne um and he's never done a journey like that before and i basically bullied him to stay awake on that first day i was like if you go to sleep now you're going to be out of sync for the rest of the so i just i just forced him to 
stay awake until he was absolutely shattered by the end of it but i was just pretty much <laughs> propping his eyes open but it worked you've just got to, you've got to try and adjust as fast as you can we've heard uh, ronnie and other we've heard you talking about like flying into china playing a game straight away and i've done that mm. before with australia i've I've, done, I've had years where i've done a gig and immediately like got off the plane 24-hour flight that evening do a show and it actually works quite well because if you if you're sort of tired and confused enough, it's quite good for stand-up. You don't really know what you're saying. You, you just kind of, uh, it's like being like pleasantly drunk. You just sort of, a couple of my best shows have been like that, but I don't really remember them. I just, in fact, they probably weren't my best shows if you were in the audience, <laughs> but they just go by in a blur. Last time I was in Australia, it was, was my last season in Melbourne. I think I won one match, but I was only there for maybe four days. So I didn't have time to get to the, used to their time difference. I was, I was there and out. <laughs> Spent more time yeah, on the plane been, than on the snooker table. There's not a tour event. Dan now is there. There was the Goldfields one for a bit, and there's been a couple. Yep. That's right. Yeah. No. In fact, I read they once had the World Championship there in the, in the 70s, which, which um, I never really? knew before. But when, yeah, it was, they flew all the players down there. Um, but it's sort of hard to imagine that'll, that'll come back, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, one time I flew, I, had, I was in Sydney and I flew back. And it was like lunchtime in the UK and I had to go and present a corporate awards thing for something like carpet cleaners or it was it was pretty much the that was the worst transition <laughs> I've ever had. Trying to get get changed into my suit in Birmingham, having left Sydney and not really slept uh, in between. But <laughs> again, you just sort of get through it. And I guess the great players are the ones that just sort of shrug yeah. this stuff off. The, 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 the players that don't moan about it are normally the ones yeah, exactly. that come through and play well. Basically, that's what that's what happens. I mean, if if you if you you, you get even in my time, the the players that just moan and moan about going abroad and doing that, and he says, well, just you know, they're the ones that generally are not going to win. Yeah, that I sort of feel it's the same with comedians. You're right. Just go. There's always there's always an excuse why you're not on top form, but Mm. at some point you just you run out of excuses. Well, the full post match interview with uh, Zhang, the winner, can be found on the World Snooker Tour YouTube page with, luckily for most of us, English subtitles too. Hello, I'm Jed Trump, and whenever I'm flying around the world, I listen to the World Snooker Tour podcast, The Snooker Club. Stephen, we've talked about how tight the rankings are. This mm. tournament means that Zhang, as well as Tom Ford, move up into the top 16 at the expense of Hussain, is oh, it? And, yeah, and Ding Junhui, yeah. And Ding, which is at one time has been unbelievable. Um, mm. So again, it's, it's pretty tight around there, isn't it? It, it just it just shows you that if you can if you can have like these huge results and these big money tournaments, how you can you can transform your season. Both players now um, will be in you know won't have to qualify for the UK Championship. Zhang and it will now be in the Champion of Champions this week where I am. Um, so huge bonuses for for the performances. Um, and yeah, a shout out to Tom Ford, another young major final. Just got to find a way of getting to that next step and winning. As you've mentioned, you're in Bolton for the Champion of Champions. Another one of these sort of. Uh these big TV tournaments, who are you looking forward to seeing? It's obviously, uh, well, it's, by definition, it's a pretty star-studded lineup. It is, because it's it's the what it is, it's the winners of, of the tournaments of the last season. Um, and if there was been, if there was multiple winners, I think they go down the rankings to, to pick pick the, the competitors. But um, generally, it's yeah. everyone that's won a tournament in the last year. Um, so it's, it's, it's a great event. It, it's, a, it's a different event. You have four groups of four. Um, two semi-finals and the final. The finalists all go through to the semi-finals at the weekend. Um, all the top players are here. Well, I'll say all the top players. So there's there's, there's some notable absences. I mean, no, Neil Robertson isn't here. Um, he's Ronnie, first time, not one one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Ronnie, I assume he's down to play. Um, so hopefully we don't know. He, 
hopefully he will be playing. Um, he's down to play on Wednesday in his group. Uh, funny enough, he'll, he'll play Jang Ander. Um, that's that's the draw. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, rematch. Each other straight away. And then, of course, the UK. I mean, it, it comes thick and fast now. The UK Championship mm. in York, um, which we'll be speaking to Hazel about a bit later. The top 16 are confirmed now, obviously, as we've said. Um, and the draw for the qualifying takes place on Wednesday at 11. Uh, then qualifying from Saturday for four days. Live on Discovery Plus. This feels like a, a sort of a big one, a serious one. What mm. What are your uh, gut feelings about the UK Championship? There's so many people um, in interesting pockets of form at the moment. It is. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm not entering this one as a qualifier because it's just too, it's just too, too much. We're working on the Champion Champions this week. It finishes on Sunday, qualifier straight away. Then back there, it's just it was just too tight the schedule. Um, yeah. But but in terms of you know, the the players, I mean, it's almost like I'm in, more interested in the players that are, that are out of form than the players that are in form. I yeah. mean, we've got like so Neil Robertson can't win a match. Mark Allen's struggling. This year. Sean Murphy's not hit for rule form yet. We've not really seen Ronnie play in the UK yet. I mean, you know what? You know whether he plays this week in the Champion Champions or not. We'll see. Didn't play in the British Open, so it'll be first time to see how he's playing on UK shores. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the players that, have, that are not in form for me. Yeah, because we've said a number of times in this podcast, one big tournament can completely transform that. You know, mm. the form just whatever form problems you've got, if you put together a run to the final of one of these tournaments, it's a total game changer, right? Yeah, de- definitely. And, and if, the fact that it's changed from last year is now pretty much the same as a world championship. Now the top 16 are seeded through, um, which makes it, which is right. I think it makes it a, a, a major event. Um, so they've got the, that, that sort of comfort um, of just, you know, they don't have to go through all this qualifying um, stage. Um, whereas before they had to win a, win a match to get to the TV stages. So it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. As I say, looking forward to seeing if if some of these players who are not in form can 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 pick it up for the the first. Well, we we call it the triple crown. It's the first of the triple yep. crown. So that that's why that's why it's such a huge event. Welcome back to Snooker Club with me, Mark Watson and Stephen Hendry. Um, as usual, quite a lot of people have got in touch. Snooker Club at wst.tv virtual membership cards to the new club are in the post as in the imaginary post um we talked about making rule changes in snooker because we had uh mike dean the referee last week and andrew has emailed saying um i remember once the darling of dublin suggesting that um a positive rule change would be to not be restricted on using the d if you are the recipient of, a, of an in off mm. so as in what you could play from anywhere that that that's I mean that is that's that's a pool rule, right? You play do that in pool. There's cue ball in hand anywhere. I think so. Although you never know because it depends on what pool rules the other guys play. Yeah, well, exactly. There's, 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 yeah, exactly. Where 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 you're playing pool and what what game you're playing of pool? Yeah, they do it in the shootout. You have ball in hand for for any oh, foul shot. They do, don't they? Yeah, um, and it's and it's obviously a, a really savage rule because obviously not only are you losing the four points to your opponent basically put the cue ball where he likes so I, I think in in top snooker top ranking snooker it's not it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a good a good uh, rule but certainly in the, in the shootout i think it works but it'd be too brutal surely yeah because mm. it, an in-off would change the would basically cost you the frame a lot of times you right? imagine the 35th frame of the crucible and you've gone in off so you've unluckily gone in off and all of a sudden yeah. your opponent you can put the cue ball i mean it's just yeah it'd be, it'd be, too, it'd be too brutal It'd be a new level to John Virgo shouting, where's the cue ball going? He'd be absolutely, <laughs> he'd be pure panic in it, in his voice. Yeah. Interesting idea though. Um, Andrew's also got a, a 
couple of ideas about ball placement. Prior to each shot being taken, a, ca- a camera above the table takes a high-definition image. And if there's any need to replace the balls, the ref asks the TV ref to bring up the image and project onto the table um, mm. with some sort of, well, some sort of laser system. He says Len Ganley would be would be. <laughs> I suppose it'd be technically possible, but it'd be it would be pretty think, weird to, to to go to those lengths. I think. I think it's sort of nice that people broadly tend yeah. to agree with the ref on this. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Do, would the referee have to stand on the table to look at the image from from above or or not? I don't. I don't know. I'm trying but, to imagine. <laughs> yeah, would would you winch the ref up to the to the ceiling or something? <laughs> he hovers above the table. <laughs> I think they actually they toyed with something like this in China. They, this, these sort of images um, of putting them onto the the, the table. Um, I'm, I'm sure they were, I'm sure I heard something like that. But I mean, yeah. I, listen, the, the system, although sometimes it can take two or three minutes and it it's, it takes a bit long to replace the balls. But I think the system we got at the moment they're 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 they're, pre- they're pretty they're pretty good they're pretty reliable um it just sometimes t- between the the, the the sort of the conversations between the, the marker and the actual referee and and they've got a tv screen um i think they do okay but um yeah yeah that's interesting I, yeah i don't know whether the people would the crowd would start a slow hand clap like they do at wimbledon when they're checking the uh the line calls but it, it feels like it would make it into a bit of a pentamon i think probably part of what's nice about snooker is it does flow there aren't these interruptions i think if you started having to get a projection onto the table and you, people might lose yeah. patience a bit well you would yeah. Stephen. you you wouldn't be sticking around to watch that <laughs> in terms of surprise meetings with snooker players well these never dry up we have one from mm. someone called hugh grant this week which i assume is not the film star he says in March this year, I travelled from Australia to Thailand to attend the World Six Red Snooker Championship. This is a huge fan uh, mm. here, Hugh Grant. I had the pleasure, he says this in a slightly creepy way, I had the pleasure of meeting most of the players as I stayed in the same hotel as them and they couldn't escape me. <laughs> uh, he says, one of my earliest interactions was with Chris Wakelin, who I had breakfast with on my first morning. During our chat, Chris mentioned he was having a lot of trouble with insect bites. I gave him a tropical insect repellent I had brought in the hope that it may help him. I didn't expect Chris to return it, but he arranged for it to be returned to me. See attached hotel parcel return form. Sure enough, that he's got the he's got the documentation. Call me a snooker tragic, which is quite an Australian phrase, but I will be having that parcel notification framed and hung up in my snooker room. So that is a that's a new level. Someone that can that, prove that they've given insect repellent to Chris Wakely. I, I really hope it's not the Hugh Grant because that is that is one of the worst stories I've ever heard. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, they're, they're going to put it up on their wall. The parcel notification. That's on what the he says. Wall. For a start, we've got a. We've I mean, don't, no dis- dis- you... disrespect to Chris Wakeland, but I mean, it's not even from Ronnie or like John Higgins. No, or... <laughs> the combination of of the player and the transaction is is really quite something, and also this backdrop of Hugh having already flown from Australia to Thailand to attend this tournament and quite clearly Googled what hotel the players are going to be staying in. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it was an accident that he was in the same hotel. That's remarkable. And you just wonder how many more he's going to, he's going to clock up. If, if, uh, <laughs> shall, we, shall we put a warning on the, on the competitions? We probably should, yeah. <laughs> he's got quite a noticeable name, so it should be fairly easy to get him on a watch. You were only yeah. joking, you. Obviously, no, we're, we're joking. In fact, we, this is exactly the level of snooker fandom that we're looking for on this that podcast. brilliant. Um, Absolutely brilliant. And, uh, we well, asked for a banal, we, didn't we? We got it. We asked for banal, and that is, I would say, a new record, yeah. <laughs> Presumably, we, we, we can find a way of putting up the parcel notification online or something. We'll find a way. We'll put it on our channels. Just, and uh, the idea of it being framed, if you do get it framed, Hugh, we would like to see a, an image of that again so we can share it with their fans. I mean, that guy is 
more than an honorary member of the snooker club. That's 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 like I, gold I was, level. I was there, so I presume I met him at some stage. Yeah, oh, presumably. Yeah, you, he will have lent you some toothpaste or something. You've just blocked it out. Um, yeah. Again, I guess that's a new conversation we can have. If you, this doesn't sound like we're going to get many submissions, but if anyone else has lent something to a snooker player, helped out with an, any more medical ailments, any of those, uh, keep them coming. And then an, another sort of regular genre of correspondent is people that claim to have seen Stephen Hendry in, uh, in various attires. Um, Alistair Law, welcome to Snooker Club, Alistair. Hi, Stephen and Mark. Really enjoying the podcast. I think I saw Stephen 10 years ago at a Doctor Who anniversary event at XL. Are you a Doctor Who fan, Stephen? I seem to recall you dressed as Tom Baker. Otherwise, I'm going crazy and you have a doppelganger. How, how do you respond to this, Stephen? Alistair, are you going crazy? It's uh, it was it. it was not me. <laughs> I didn't think it, it didn't ring true to me. You don't seem like you'd be you'd be no, dressed ten, up as Tom Baker. Ten years ago, I would, I'd be in the snooker club practicing for eight hours. So I mean, I wouldn't have had time to go to the the Doctor Who XL. But um, I would have no, thought, ten years ago, wouldn't be because I'd be retired. Two thousand. Yeah, it actually would have fallen quite well for you time wise. And also, we yeah, you know, yeah. we've got loads of archive of you dressing up as it. You know, it, it was revealed last week that you dressed up as one of Cinderella's ugly sisters for the Christmas yeah. special of Big Break. The dustbin on the the mask singer. So it doesn't seem a stretch to say that you could have been, but it wasn't. You're, you're washing your hands of that allegation. Not me. Not me. Definitely not me. Not not, me. not a Doctor Who fan, and have never dressed up as Tom Baker. If you think you've seen him either doing that or anything else, I'd like at least once an episode, I'd like a false accusation of having seen Stephen in some sort of costume. So, well, if, if they say I've seen him smile, that'd be a false accusation, <laughs> yeah. surely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyone just email in saying, I've seen Stephen looking pretty cheerful in a post office queue, and we'll know instantly <laughs> to dismiss that. Um, so, there are plenty to get your teeth into. Please keep sending in your real or fake meetings <laughs> with the disguised Stephen Hendry. Your strange breakfast interactions with snooker professionals in a hotel in Thailand. And, of course, top fives of all time. Now, uh, over 250 people sent in their top fives. And, of course, we'd already led them a bit by saying it was a rule that Hendry uh, had to be in. And lots of people have put you first, actually. Uh, Sheila Robbins put Hendry in capital letters with question marks to make absolutely clear yeah. she was obeying the rules. Um, Sheila knows. Sheila knows. There's, I mean, everyone's got O'Sullivan and Hendry pretty much. Then there's uh interesting one from Joe on Instagram. O'Sullivan, Hendry, Steve Davis, Ray Reardon, and Joe mm. Davis. I did say it would be nice to hear about some sort of pre-TV players. But I don't know. It, it's very difficult. You were saying last week you felt like the standard had gone up mm. you know, progressively. Stevens, is it hard to include people like Reardon in there? Or can you include them because they were so uh, yeah. sort of pivotal to the development of the game? I, I, yeah, I, th I think Joan Instagram has obviously gone with like how many titles people have won. won. Um, yeah. Reard, Reardon six, Steve six, Joe, I can't remember how many won. Um, so that's a, that's a, if you go on basically on, on how many titles, that's, that's, that's quite a, quite, quite an easy one. Um, but yeah, I think the general consensus now that sort of Ronnie, Mark, John Higgins um, are going to be in there. Um, and then the others, you know, usually, usually Steve and I. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think the likes of, you know, how many people have put Trump in? I'm trying to look. Yeah, so Amir, um, for example, Amir, a couple have put Michael. Trump in. Um, obviously, he's doing incredible things, and and there's no doubt. I, th I think 
to be in there, I mean, and Trump and Trump will probably know this. He's got to win more world titles. I think there's no doubt about that to be to be in these in in these lists. But there's no doubt he's he's one of the best players of all time. That already, as is Neil Robertson. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Robertson I think, appears in Amir's list as well. Uh, Trump yeah. gets into a few. Sean Murphy sneaks into Michael's. So yeah. you know, yeah, uh, yeah. And another another Selby's obviously one of the best. You know, I think I'm I'm surprised Selby's not in a lot of these lists because he is definitely um, going to yeah. be. Uh, he definitely be in my top five of the all time great players. And he has got a few world titles to to show. Yeah, right now, I suppose in the end. So, yeah. Well, so, yeah. Uh, keep them coming, and also your top five snooker players in other categories. You know, best dressed, most likable, most harassable at breakfast in Thailand. Whatever you whatever you think, really. <laughs> So if you want to feature on the next episode of Snooker Club and pick up a virtual membership, just email snookerclub at wst.tv. Why not send us your predictions for the Mr. Q UK Championship? Let us know who you think will win the first Triple Crown event of the season. So it's snookerclub at wst.tv or get in touch on social media. Just search for the World Snooker Tour on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Hi, I'm Mark Selby, and when I'm cooking chicken pizzas, I always listen to WST's official podcast, Snooker Club. Well, it's time to welcome this week's guest, Broadcasting Royalty, I believe that's fair <laughs> to say. Over, uh, It sounds sarcastic when you say phrases like that, but it's true. Uh, she's covered over a dozen Olympics and uh, Paris, fronted golf coverage for a quarter of a century, and most importantly for us, Queen of Snooker on the BBC since 2002, Hazel Irvin. Hello, Hazel. Hello, Mark. Hello, Hello, Steve. Hazel. How are you? I'm very well, yes, and I'm very much looking forward to uh, to York. I know there's a, a little bit of snooker to be played, yeah, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, very excited. Are you travelling over soon? I always like to get down nice and early to York so that I can at least get one walk around the walls then, Stephen. You know how beautiful it is there. It's such a fantastic place. I know everybody loves going to York for this one. Mm. Will you go to the Viking Centre or is that a bit of a stretch time-wise? Maybe a bit of a stretch, but I'll definitely walk around the walls. That's always very high on the list before I get sort of uh, stuck into the stuck into the championship. Yeah, you, you, you can always like, tell um, this at the start of the BBC snooker season. Sorry about that. That when you see Hazel broadcasting from the top of that that monument next to the Hilton Hotel. Okay, the season yeah. started now. <laughs> totally iconic site. And it's usually slippy, actually. I mean, the number of times we've been up there and there's been ice and um, I think there's a couple of times we couldn't get up there because it was just too dangerous. Because what you don't see, and you've you've done it, I'm sure, Stephen, there's just a great big drop on the far side mm. of that wall. You've got to be actually quite careful. <laughs> so, like, hello, whoops. <laughs> it would be a tough start to the tournament if you went off there, I think. <laughs> yes. As an actual tournament to cover like leaving aside how lovely the city is how is it uh, to work on well it's it's gone through various incarnations in the time that, that i've been doing it I and mean, stephen's gone on through very many more than that but um we when we first went to to york everybody was in love with it and it was great and we still had the the sort of seedings through to the final stages and then of course we went to the flat draw and that fundamentally yeah. changed the nature of the championship and it was a kind of it was a sort of blur of of cues and players in through the outdoor and vice versa and it was hard to keep track actually it was hard to make sense as an event of of what was going on so i for one and i think um probably many of the players and stephen will know this better than i um, I think they've welcomed the the return of that exclusivity factor, and I yeah. really appreciated it. Particularly last year, you thought, "Ah, oh, right, okay, okay, this is the start of the Triple Crown it's series." A proper Fantastic. event again, yeah. 
because of the UK Championship it is one of the majors and it feels like a major again I think it with does. the fact that it, peoples are se- seeded through and everything um, it, it feels a much a much much bigger event Hazel I, I was going to ask you what, how, how many different UK venues have we done have, have you done because there's been so many moves over the years yeah yeah well I, I mean York was the first one that I did and then of course we went off to oh gosh where was it again uh, Telford we were in Telford for a bit weren't we Yes. Um, in fact, we had we had that amazing um, final between uh, was it 2010? Was it um, John Higgins and and Mark Williams, where yes. Mark was well, yeah. I don't know, 27 up with 29 left in the, yeah. <laughs> the final frame decider, and John mugged him at the end. It was just one of these extraordinary finals. So mm. you remember you remember various things in different stages. But I think we went back to York pretty quickly after that, haven't we? We've been there ever since. So I, for one, I'm not complaining. Although I thought I thought the the, the Telford um, Centre was was a good venue. Actually, it was it certainly got a lot of atmosphere. Yeah, we're going back there. We're going back to Telford for the Players' Championship next year. Ah, of course, that's right. Yeah, we are. We're going back to Telford. (laughs) I remembered Steve Davis doing a feature at Ironbridge, which was one of the most beautiful places around that area in Shropshire. And it was, um, he did this wonderful feature. I'm going going back to icy times here. And he sort of wandered around on that fantastic, um, beautiful area and got very cold, I think. Uh, So, yeah, it's amazing (laughs) the things you remember from all these championships. But no, I, for one, very much looking forward to going back. There's a long history of people having to wander around doing features for those bits between frames. It's it's sort of a, for the mm. BBC snooker fan, it's almost as much fun as the actual game is watching yeah. what they've come up with this time. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to remember the many ve- different venues I've played in Fjord. Then obviously there was Preston was the, the iconic venue yeah, the for Guildhall, York, wasn't it? The Guildhall. Um, and then we moved. Uh, I, I can't remember if we went from there to Telford. I can't remember, but um, it feels established in York now. I think, though, doesn't it, Hazel? It does, and I think the Barbican Centre has been great. Um, I think I think it's it's one of these places that they all look forward to going to as well for for very various different reasons. And yeah, and I think for me, it's just it, it, there's been some fantastic snooker played already this season, and some really cool results. A lot of mm. eventful stuff going on. I mean, Zhang Anza just the other night, um, and yeah. Trump's three in a row. It's been really really interesting stuff. I think this season. But now you think, okay, well, who's who's prepared well and who's actually peaking for the right amount of time because this is where for me it really starts to kick in we've got this one and then we're more or less straight into the, the masses after after new mm-hmm. year so you, you start to get a, a feel for who is the coming man or indeed who are the coming men in each season although i think we can probably safely say there's one who's mm. <laughs> rather outstanding at the moment in yes. Judge trump yeah yeah, yeah it's almost a relief that trump lost um the other day because we're sort of running out of stuff to say about him and he's in danger of completely <laughs> yeah. monopolising the podcast. If we had to go to another interview with Trump saying how pleased he was to win, then people would start to switch off, I think. So Maguire's done us a, a favour there in a way. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Obviously, I mean, Hazel, you've been, I've been watching you, not to make you feel old, but for a long time across so many sports, what's different covering snooker from, from the many other things that you've done? Uh, what makes it different, I think, is is um, is the team. Um, I always stress this, and Stephen, I know that. But I think what I think we always enjoy. I mean, Stephen, you work for so many different broadcasters now, and, and I know you have wonderful teams in all of them. Mm. But for me, that it's it's a constant. It's 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 like without getting too sort of twee about it, they're sort of like my friends now as well. And I think it's yeah. it's it's a really 
it's a good feeling to go back, not least because everybody knows what they're doing. And there's just such a really good structure about things. And there's a there's a very good um, camaraderie. Um, and it's almost like you sort of start a conversation. I haven't seen you for a good few months, even. And it's like, oh, and another thing. And you start up again, don't you? So there's, yeah. the, I think there's no the, there's no preciousness within the team. Everybody just gets yeah. on with it, mucks in, knows we're in for some long hours and knows we're in for some absolutely brilliant few days together. So, mm. yeah, it's something I really look forward to. It doesn't, I know it's work, but in a way, you get so wrapped up in a championship I used to get that in the golf as well. I, I did feel a real sense of privilege when I when I when I was working with the on the golf and going to these big major events as well. It's almost like my goodness, there's I would, I would be paying money to come and do this yeah. if I weren't actually working on it. So it, it's it's such a joy, it really is. And um, so it it stands out for me because of the intensity of it. And because um, there's a there's a sort of intimacy about snooker which you you can't beat when you when you go when you do golf you've got oh, 148 others in a in a big open championship field when you go to an Olympic Games you've got 12,000 athletes you know and it's mm. and you feel like a bit of a gnat in all of that but in actual fact there, there's something that's manageably um, I don't know. It's it's manageable, and yet it's still intense, and it's still a really high sporting level. But um, it's it's different because of the uh, of the drama that it creates in such a sort of small scale, comparatively speaking to when you when you compare it to an Olympic Games. Yeah, I, I really yeah. enjoy it. I'm saying you just got so much to keep track of with something like the Olympics as well. If you're watching the coverage, there's like we're going over to the shooting now. <laughs> now it's archery. <laughs> now it's back to the track and field it's it's it, your brain must be yeah. in all sorts of different you must be getting so much at least with snooker as you say it you start with back to table two four. back to table yeah. one yeah, <laughs> yeah no one's going to suddenly chuck a jab in for a world record distance like when you're not looking <laughs> yeah. i'm not going to say my brain doesn't occasionally implode surrounded by henry and parrot and davis obviously it does but <laughs> but no you're yeah. right in terms of, of of the amount of stuff that you're juggling um but but that too is the, is the thrill of it isn't it because you really it's a luxury almost to be able to concentrate on one match for two days in the crucible final isn't it so it's four different chapters that unfold in that final and goodness me i mean you're virtually rubbing your hands every time you get into the seat thinking what are we going to get for the next eight or nine frames it's, it's brilliant so yeah compared to the sort of it's like a sort of frenzy uh, of information the olympic games and it's wonderful don't get me wrong this there's gold medals getting chucked around and won everywhere you look and lives are changing right in front of your eyes but um in a way you enjoy it but right okay there's oh that's a that's a rowing goal whoosh next but you're right you're right mark it's it's nice to be able to sit and actually luxuriate in the drama i think what stands hazel apart from broadcasters other broadcasters is the amount of um back catalogue and stuff you have on all these sports i see the pile of papers you have in front of you <laughs> turn snooker the, re the research so you have to do all these different sports i mean it's just incredible how, how you do call you, me how a do nerd I mean, but it's, he's, it's, he's implying it's phenomenal yeah. <laughs> i just come on and wing it you know me i have no you know i don't know no, no stats or anything but i mean it's just phenomenal with respect you are the stats you created the stats <laughs> in yours, you know um, no I, I to be honest it's i often get asked about this and then the big pile of notes and, and to be honest it's my crutch uh, i mean it's it's how i sort of get through it and and it's mm. it 
I, I don't feel right unless I've done it because I don't feel prepared. I mean, it's it's basically fear. Let's be honest, it's fear. Um, but I actually enjoy um, researching and, and coming up with lines and thinking, oh, that's, oh, gosh, yeah, I could use that. I'll, I'll, there's a little bit. I'll maybe store that away. I'm like a little love squirrel. at school and stuff like that. <laughs> now we're going down a rabbit war in here. <laughs> I think viewers do really enjoy that level of nerdiness though because snooker is is a bit like that people love the stats they love the history we even even doing this podcast we've seen how many people people's memory for specific matches is incredible but it's because of, like you say Hazel, i think it's because of the the length of the drama like a world championship final can stay in your head like almost nothing else because you've invested in right. it across a whole weekend it's also great for us though me jp steve to be sat in a chair in the studio and say well who who did he beat last year at this tour and like we just go to hazel and it's like hazel will tell you <laughs> well he beat, he beat such and such nine five in the final and it and, and he had two centuries and it's like, like yeah there and then we come on and say it live and we look brilliant it's tremendous <laughs> <laughs> it's quicker than wikipedia isn't it if you can just go straight to the <laughs> I think I think you're talking me up a bit there. I don't think that's quite <laughs> true, but uh, but I'll take the compliment. Thanks, Stephen. No, I'm not quite on the on the same nerdiness scale as a Phil Yates or a, or a or a wonderful Dave Hendon. So I've got a long way to go. I have to say. <laughs> what's what's your most memorable events that's happened in snooker? Oh goodness, come? um, oh, Stephen, there's just been so many, and you know, I was just thinking back over when I knew I was going to be talking to you, I was thinking, right, okay, uh, what were my favourite matches? And and there's a few that I can I can pick out, even that one, just in relation to the the UK Championship, I was thinking about that, and obviously going back to the, the Higgins one, but obviously Ronnie actually against Mark Allen, when he, when he sorry about this, Stephen, but when he surpassed your major titles yeah. number um, in, in 2018, I mean, that was, that was a really, really momentous moment uh, for me, as it was for everybody else watching it. It, it just felt so incredibly um, meaningful that, that having worked in a sport that you guys have, have toiled and and worked so hard to create these records to be there and see someone do something that is genuinely that is it's way beyond snooker that is it's it's, it's it, it transcends the world of snooker and into the greater world of of, of global sport you know and to be there to yeah. see something like that that's really meaningful and then of course Ronnie um, suddenly getting to to seven with you at the crucible these, these are moments you think gosh pinch pinch yourself girl because you're there and you've got a fantastic ringside seat for history it's, it always sounds terribly cliche but it's true it's history it's being made right in front of your eyes and then you've got to go out there and think right goodness how do you sum that up in a few sentences it's a it's a challenge but it's one that i've really enjoyed so your, your memorable moments is me losing all my records thanks very much it's <laughs> not good to know <laughs> Hazel's, Hazel's listened to the podcast Sorry before. She that. knows it's largely about doing down your legacy, Stephen. <laughs> Don't worry, Hazel. It's all about me. It all comes back to me every time. Well, it always we? is. It always is. I know that. We, I know we that. didn't set out to make an anti-Stephen Hendry podcast, but week by week, that's how we're going. <laughs> I mean, actually, since Stephen comes up, Hazel, were you covering the, the Ronnie and Stephen match when Ronnie walked out? Um, yes. Yes, I was. Because I, I, yeah. I, I feel like I remember you interviewing Ronnie, which must have been one of the more uh, testing um, No. Well, actually, what what happened was, Mark, um, Ronnie shook your hand and mm, walked out. Yeah. Were you were you four were you four nil up four at that one. point, Stephen? Four, four one, one yeah. right? And we'd actually, I mean, this is true, 
John, Steve, and I had actually just tucked into a sandwich in the studio because normally <laughs> what happens, and Stephen, Stephen will back us up here, we usually sort of wait to eat something until we've gone live, and then there's a kind of at least yeah. a sort of <laughs> ten minutes where in the first frame just eat something. Great fish afternoon. and mango salad. Great fish and mango salad. That's it. Yes, and um, one particular supermarket's um, delicatessen <laughs> does very well during our snooker tournaments. Um, but yeah, and we'd literally just sort of started on the lunch and then suddenly walked out. We thought, what is going on? So we were filling and filling and filling, um, not with food, but but until we knew what was happening. And I, I remember, I, I think it was Mike Ganley got news to us that he had indeed um, stopped. And it was a really, it was a really significant moment, actually, um, when you think back on it, particularly in the context of how he's managed to turn that period yeah. of crisis in terms of reform around and i mean I, I really take my hat off to the man i think he's a phenomenal um player and a phenomenally strong mind to have mm. had the wherewithal to go to steve peters and say right i i actually have a problem here and I'm, i wonder if you can help i mean that took mm. a lot of guts but what an incredible turnaround in that man's ability to control his emotion in these moments it's, really it's night and day isn't it Obviously, he's won hundreds of matches, and we've done hundreds of post-match interviews. It's, it's. You never know what you're going to get, do you? When you're sat in that studio no. when he comes in. No, and that's a fascination. You must be when, when he's chatty, you must be relieved, especially we're live on TV. Well, yeah, I mean, because I, I guess that's that's the thrill as well, isn't it? Because I mean, Ronnie is Ronnie is Ronnie, um, and he always has something to say. Um, but you're right. You, he's got to a point now where he's clearly, he clearly, um, is possibly a little bored, as you would be having yeah. been yeah. dragged into studios all your career to talk about what you've just done five minutes ago. And I know it's part of the process of making television. And and Ronnie's not daft. He's 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 now part of the TV process himself, working for Eurosport very successfully too. So it's 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 just part of the deal, isn't it? It's part of the game. Um, but. But he's he's not he's not the only one that you're interested in speaking to after after a match. I mean, in, in lots of different sports, it was always a. I mean, like for example, when I used to speak to Tiger Woods, um, it was always <laughs> you always had the same feeling that okay, someone's coming in. You have to be sort of on your game here because if if you ask Tiger Woods a banal question, you, you could never get away with well. Round of 71 today, Tiger, body, body. You had to actually challenge him. Mm. You actually had to yeah, ask yeah. him something to, to elicit something meaningful from yeah. him. I think in this in the same way, it, it, again, it just it depends what sort of mood Ronnie's in uh, when he comes in. But hey, it's always it's always a great pleasure. And indeed, it's a great honour to have him in the studio anytime. So um, mm. regardless of what mood he's in, uh, yeah. he's always I think that's, that's a good thing about you, as you don't know what you're going to yeah. what to expect. I think that's, that's the no. beauty of him. In terms yeah, of in the TV, and we've yeah. said it before, it's why people like snooker. It, it doesn't feel like people are just trotting out, especially if, if someone's just lost a match that took nine hours or something. You you want to see their emotion, really. It's not just Ronnie. Yeah. Many's the time we've seen you interview people who are visibly hurting after after a defeat. Well, you know, I mean, I. I can honestly say, Mark, I mean, the man next to you at the moment in this podcast was famously monosyllabic on occasions after mm. he <laughs> had been defeated. I mean, there were one word, uh, there were a whole one word press conferences from you at some stage. Yeah. I, don't Stephen, you I, do I don't know how I got my miserable name. I don't know how I got my miserable name. We've talked before about how, how Stephen and I was 
by his own admission, was one of the toughest interviewees. It's a wonder he got this podcast gig, actually. The guy's made a name for himself for not wanting to talk about snooker. So here we go, Stephen. In, in terms of how you were then and how you perceive interviewees coming into studio now, how, how do you balance the two sides of that equation? It's, it's hard because you've got to feel like, OK, I know how you feel. Because you just mm. lost a match, you know. Especially if you got to speak to the, the loser, you know what they're, how they're feeling. And, and but you know, as 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 you've got a job to do, haven't you? You've got to try and get something out out of this. But I mean, fortunately, I haven't done a lot of interviews with losing players yet. I've been in the studio, and, and normally it's the winner that comes in. Mm. And it's fine. Um, but watching, you know, Rob Walker obviously has to do all the losers' interviews as well. And and you, you I'm, I've got to admit, there's not many players that don't speak. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think so. I, I, Steve and I were like just the worst losers, and we were just terrible um, <laughs> to, to, to interview after we'd lost. I totally understand how the players feel. You literally, I mean, the, the the Crucible, especially to name one venue, you come out those stage doors, and Rob's waiting for you, and sticks mm-hmm. a microphone in your face. How'd you feel? <laughs> well, I have to say, of, oh yeah, of, great. Of all the people that of all the people that do it, I think he's absolutely brilliant at it because he has such an empathetic tone and and he really knows these guys now and they genuinely trust him. He's no, he's never going to throw them under the bus, and I, I think everybody respects him for that. He's really good at yeah. it. He was born for the job, really. He's yeah, a very difficult yeah. man to be grumpy with. I would have thought. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Anytime, yeah. I know, I know the answer to this. What well, your your most annoying thing about snooker? And it's got mm-hmm. to be at five to six when there's a frame coming to its end or a match coming to its oh, end. And we've got to leave for yes. the hairy bikers. Oh. <laughs> no, that's not my favourite moment. I have to be honest. No, that I can I can imagine bricks being thrown at the telly occasionally from the other side, you know. But to, no, I I to me it's it's a difficult and uh, it's a difficult balance to strike, isn't it? But um for me, if you know, I always feel it's if I've invested my time um in in, uh, in in spending it with one particular match, I really would love to see it come to its epic conclusion. But um, yes, but such are such are the um, the foibles and the, and the demands of of live television. Any live sport on telly, it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, so but you're back in this year, Hazel, for the UK. Am I back in this year for the UK? Oh goodness. Um, well, I think obviously uh, Judd's got to got to be in with a chance if he's not uh, burned himself out, which I doubt. Um, it's not his favourite, as you well know, um, mm, despite yeah. the fact he's, he's he's obviously been there and done that. But um, I would. It's difficult. I I have a sort of fancy that Sean is going to come good again at some point. Had a really good start to the season. Um, it's, it just seems to have gone through a wee dip at the moment. Um, I, for the rest of the season, I'm I'm not ruling anything out from Mark Williams. I think he's been absolutely extraordinary. Um, yeah. Um, I I just I just not seen the end of him. Ronnie, I think I think Ronnie might be building up to something. Um, and you want him to win well, an eighth world title, didn't you, Hazel? I'm not going to say anything You want him like to win that, the eighth Stephen, world title. No, but Tell you know truth. how much I like. A, I like a bit of history. You know, that's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and and I think, but I think what's been really fascinating for me is is the rise and rise of of somebody like Jayanda, um, who can suddenly have mm. been in two finals. Incredible. And he's what. Well, it never been beyond a quarter final, and he's not mm. even in the top 64 until this season. And this is the guy, Stephen, um, Mighty Mouse, many years ago. I'm just going to mm-hmm. stop right there and not mention the Crucible all of those years ago. But he's done nothing since that incredible uh, victory back then. And suddenly, it's like he's liberated, it's like he's free. And he's what, what? He's only 31, something like that. But um, 
as Ronnie said after after he lost to him in the semi-final, where's he been for the last 12 years? Well, yeah, he's always been there and suddenly, and I don't know, what is it that happens in a player's life that they can suddenly propel themselves after all of this time serving their apprenticeship into, into the upper echelons? It's amazing. It's fascinating, isn't it? Almost any other sport, if someone had sort of disappeared up to about 31, you'd, you'd be writing them mm. off. But snooker has these incredible narratives where people have a third act in their career. Like the way mm. Mark Williams sort of got better and better. Or yeah. It's an amazing thing about snooker. Someone can be off your radar for a decade, like like Hander, and then one day you remember what a great player he was. There's got to be other ones of those out there waiting to surprise us. Mm. Yes, absolutely. I think I think there are. And uh, I think it's been good, I think, also this season to see some of the young lads coming through. Um, I'm really excited about the likes of Stan Moody. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen, Stephen. Obviously, it's, like, it's, a, it's a long apprenticeship for these guys. And you've, got the three, you've got the three Liams as well, England, Scotland and Wales, and they're all coming through. And I think that's really exciting to see that core of, of the younger guys coming through as well. So, it, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen qualifying, obviously, but um, there's going to be one heck of a fight to be amongst the, yeah. the 16 to, to face off against the, the top 16. Of course, Tom Ford has just vaulted in there as well now. So it's all changing, isn't it? Sure is. So Hazel is now going to take on our um, much feared and loved quiz. Uh, mm. Last week, Mike Dean posted a formidable score of 15. That's been the only really impressive performance we've seen. Uh, the format, of course, as usual, Red Bull for a question on your specialist subject, uh, which is, uh, well, basically you, Hazel. <laughs> and then you can go green, which is Scottish sport, blue for general knowledge, black for snooker itself interesting one this because hazel's got various areas of um expertise oh goodness Scottish um, you might be i'll be struggling with that at the moment right okay but i'll give it a go one four seven seconds on the clock are you ready hazel i think we'll give it a go okay your first red uh what year did you start presenting snooker 2001 well, I've got 2002 on my on my card. Mm. No, I think you'll um, find it was the LG the LG Cup in 2001. Oh, controversy <laughs> already! I love it. I, I feel like you sh- you should know that one. So we'll, we've gone to VAR and we'll we, give you the you point. Better, you better <laughs> go check with John and Steve, but I think that's when it was. Yeah. I think we'll. Yeah, we'll, and that was in the Guildhall. Like yeah, you. green, blue, or black. I am going to go with green, please. Scottish sport. How many Grand Slam titles has Andy Murray won? Ooh, ah, uh, gosh, three. He is correct, yes. Three Which Scottish New Year celebration did you co-host on the BBC? Oh, Hug Money. Hug Money Very Live. Good. Not many Scottish New Year celebrations to choose from, I would have said. But there no, we go. No. Any questions? Another colour? Oh, should I risk it for a biscuit? Here, Stephen, what do you think? Right, go black, please. Got it. Guts for glory. How many Scottish snooker world champions have there been God. this century? Ooh, right. Century. Here we are. Um, well, John and John. Um, I think that's it, isn't it? Uh, yes, because you were 99, Stephen, weren't you? So it's just John, isn't it? Oh, no, sorry. I'm going to stop there. It's Graham Dot. What? Sorry. Oh, sorry how Dottie. could you forget Graham Dot? Sorry, Dottie. Sorry, <laughs> Dottie. Uh, of course, it's Dottie and, and John. Yes. It is two. I reckon you've, you've missed the black, but it's gone in the other pocket sort of situation. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've gone. Yeah. Phew. Okay. Looked it. Another red. Who won the okay. 2002 World Championship uh, in the first, well, it says in the first year of Hazel covering the snooker, although we, that's been uh, contested. 
it was um, it was it was Mr. Peter Ebden. And um, it was Peter Ebden. Um, and oh. I can't remember the fella that he beat actually oh. in a final frame oh. decider. Yeah. Oh, it was anyway. an absolute bravoing final. There we go. Move anyway, on. We'll just, Move on. Oh, yes, moving on. One more colour, I think. I think I'm just going to go out in a blaze of glory here or not. I'll do another black, please. Who made the second ever 147 at the Crucible after Cliff Thorburn did the first one in 83? I should know this, shouldn't I? The second um, ever maximum break at the Crucible. Yeah. It was in 92, if that helps. It was It was Jimmy. It's Jimmy White. It was Jimmy. It's another seven. And First 20 break. 20. 20 oh, and the frame, geez, yeah. Well, that's well, well over anything I've ever made on the table, so that very Me too, yeah. <laughs> 20, Hesler Irvin. We thought Mike Dean was impressive last week, but Irvin storms to the top of the leaderboard. Fantastic stuff. Well, thanks a lot, Hazel, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you extremely soon in York. Thank you so much, Hazel. Well. See you in thank York. Thank you, Stephen, and thank you, Mark, for having me on as your guest. I'm really enjoying your podcast, and I take you everywhere when I go on my long walks, as I will be doing round the walls in York. So all the very best, and, and more Safe power journey. to you both. Cheers. A pleasure to meet Bye. you. Thank you, Hazel. Bye-bye. So that's all from us this week on the Stuka Club. Please remember, if you haven't already, please download and leave a review. The best clips from the show will be available to watch on YouTube. Just search for World Snooker Tour. Yeah, thanks a lot for listening. Um, I'm off to try and break into some more of my own venues. Again, contact the show via snookerclub at wst.tv. And next week, tune into the 147, your fortnightly roundup from the World Snooker Tour. Um, we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time when we'll have quite a bit to talk about from the Mr. Q UK Championships. And we're joined by, I'm looking forward to this, former Arsenal and England footballer Lee Dixon. See you then. Bye-bye. 